and welcome to another edition of Kaleidoscope. This is Mike Lezendon recording from Nicosia and with me in the studio to discuss respectful maternity care are Ioli Orfanidi, Orfanidi, who is the spokesperson on respectful maternity care and Nikos Middleton, who is the principal investigator and scientific coordinator of this project. Welcome. Thank you for having us, Maiwa. Thank you, Maiwa. Um, so that we can start off, because the discussion we can have is in the context of a project you're running, which is respect towards a culture of respectful maternity care, enhancing provider clients, shared decision-making and informed choices, a project that is financed by the Daphne um, funding. Let's start off with the question that's always bothered me. We're talking about respectful maternity care here. What is disrespectful maternity care? Yoli, do you want to take the floor? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let Nikos uh, take the lead here. You know. Okay. Okay, so I get the difficult question. Okay. <laughs> well, this is a project about respectful maternity care. And obviously, if you're talking about respectful maternity care, the obvious question, I agree with you, Magda, is what is this respect then? If we want to enhance maternity care uh, to be respectful uh, towards birthing um, uh, women, um, what is this respect? Um, there is a lot of that can be said here and a lot of uh, ways to talk about disrespect, but I, I will stick to the definition given by the WHO, by the World Health Organization, to define the phenomenon of disrespect and abuse in childbirth, uh, which refers really to any interaction uh, within a facility or conditions and circumstances within that uh, facility that local consensus deems to be humiliating, undignified, and any interactional conditions that are, and this is key, experienced by women themselves as being humiliating and uh, or undignified, even if they're not intended to be uh, so by the healthcare providers. So this is about the perspective of the women themselves and how they experience the care they received and whether in any at any point there was um, interactions that were humiliating or undignified. Okay, thank you, Nikos. This is a project you're doing, you're a part of the Technical University of Cyprus based in Limassol. Ioli is part of Birth Forward. It's the University of Genoa and Rada from Croatia. Why did you deem this project necessary? I know why it's project, but what is the challenge we face now in the sector of uh, maternity care that makes it so timely? There are many challenges in the uh, maternity care services. Um, now, let's start with how people face birth. I mean, in the past, let's say, 50, 100 years, we have come to uh, see birth as something that is being done to women. I mean, in English, we say uh, that the doctor delivers the baby. In Greek, we say, the doctor gave birth to some, if it would be a rough translation. So giving basically all the power to the doctor, to the medical personnel. So the birth from, from a physiological phenomenon, from a physiological uh, normal uh, fu um, uh, function of uh, the woman's body has now become a medical situation. So 
in this process of medicalizing, of medicalizing birth, we have lost this, um, this, this respect, the, the autonomy that a woman needs in order to give uh, birth in, uh, in what she feels is a respectful way. So we're not against technology, of course, we're not against uh, any, any necessary interventions, any interventions that are here to save women's and babies' lives. But uh, too often, and this is not something that has been noted only in Cyprus, too often interventions, medical interventions in birth happen without a proper medical justification. And these and, and without enough information being given to the mother, the, the pregnant exactly. woman. Exactly. So um, the woman is in the even though she's she's in the center of uh, the, the the birthing uh, situation, let's say, sometimes, most of the times, I would say, judging from my own personal experience with my first baby and from talking to many women and also Nikos will um, uh, confirm that the bibliography uh, confirms. So the woman is at the epicenter, is, uh, is, is the birthing woman, but she is the last to have a say in what is happening. People are coming and saying to her, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you have to do this, you have to do that. But she doesn't know why. She, mm. she feels helpless. She doesn't um, feel that she's part of the decision making in in the process, and it is no no one no one is saying to her no one is saying to these are the two options which are you more comfortable with exactly or you can just do nothing and wait and again mm. this is an option and so this is this is not being said this is not being discussed um, so it's not just Cyprus it's the whole world that is rising up to this uh, situation and um, I, I don't know if I, I feel like there's a momentum a, a global momentum towards um, uh, dealing dealing with the subject of respectful maternity care right now and it so happened actually that in Cyprus uh, just just when our, our program started the um, SPAVO the organization for uh, the prevention oh. of uh, family violence uh, run a similar uh, questionnaire to ours which we will uh, explain later what it is about um, uh, focusing on obstetric violence which is another way of saying disrespectful maternity care without any prior um, communication with us uh, I think we've discussed this before Yoli, about six months ago I interviewed a doula from Africa and she had said the same thing that the, this the agency has got to be given back to women we've got to go back to the earth of women woman being the in control of the process and of the decisions because it's her body and anything different is construed as obstetric violence. But Nico, do you want to add to what the audience said? Um, yeah, I'm taking my notes here. And the um, audience gave me a, a pass when she referred to the uh, literature, the bibliography and what we know about it. So that's maybe, a, and a couple of more points that I want to uh, comment on, but let me just focus on that for for the time being of course there is a, a an enormous international literature around uh disrespect and abuse or respect for maternity care or obstetric violence but i agree with you Oli, that in the in the in recent years uh, there is a momentum both in terms of 
agencies like the EU funding projects like that, uh, international organizations uh, talking about it uh, in the in the framework of uh, of trying to promote uh, standards of practices uh, and uh, promoting rights of uh, of women in childbirth. One of which not the only one, but the fundamental one, one that comes to the core of the matter is exactly what you're talking about, which is autonomy and informed choices and the process by which uh, this happens uh, either during pregnancy or in uh, during childbirth. And of course, we can all understand that it's uh, two completely different situations when you have... Uh, uh, um, the time to discuss with your health professional during pregnancy to shape your choices that you want, of course, to be uh, respected. And during childbirth, which, of course, there was there is also um, 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 you would also need to make decisions, but with the pressure of time. But that doesn't excuse taking away the right to making informed choices and the autonomy of those choice choices, which uh, it's not just in the maternity care sector, is a basic ethical principle and professional uh, and uh, and part of the professional uh, code of, of ethics uh, to uh, respect that. Um, but let me refer to the bibliography, and in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to the bibliography from Cyprus, which is much much smaller, but the, the respect project doesn't just come out of nowhere. Uh, at the Cyprus University of Technology, uh, with Ber uh, Forward, uh, who is uh, a long-term partner, partner, we have collaborated in previous research projects. And even though they didn't deal uh, uh, with the uh, topic of uh, um, disrespect or respect in maternity care, they might have been more general in terms of the experiences of women in their maternity uh, uh, care journey, the quality of, of the services and their satisfaction from the services they receive, uh, how informed uh, they were to make choices um, uh, with regard to um, how skillful uh, their healthcare providers were to provide uh, um, this information, the information they needed to feel empowered to make decisions. The result was uh, of, you know, seven or eight years of mm -hmm. research coming out of Cyprus, always pointed to the fact that this is a weak point. It, it was a weak point. Women were not necessarily satisfied with the care they received for several reasons, but one recurring theme was informational support. The fact that they didn't feel they had agency, the fact that they didn't they didn't feel they they had a um, a confident voice, and the ones that did took a lot of uh, self-efficacy from themselves. They had to be assertive. So, of course, we're dealing with a situation of inequity as well, then, because not all women, uh, if, it, if it's down to women to be assertive for the professionals to um, um, respect their professional standards, 
to uh, go through the process of providing the information, the uh, providing women with options, the advantages and disadvantages in order of, of different options in order to support this agency, the autonomy uh, of women in making um, uh, choices was not there, then it was all left to the women and of course uh, to do it. So you can see there is a little bit of a paradox here. So the professionals oh, should be doing it. Yeah. And absolutely, the fact that it's assumed that women know better or should know better because it's pregnancy is wrong. Because men should also be part of the decision making anyway, even as fathers and as practitioners. It should not be left to the woman only. So um, do you have any... I, I, don't, I don't think it's such an issue of woman versus man. Of course, the yeah. patriarchal, uh, you know... Um, um, Institution there, but um, uh, I would say that uh, I, I think what what Nikos was trying to say is that it's it's already difficult for women to to speak up, and okay. in in the situation of birth when things are urgent, when when you feel like you're being you're being pressed to make decisions, when you feel like the, your baby's life is at stake. You would not take any risks and go against whatever your your doctor would advise. At that point, you are going to do whatever you are being told. So it's very important to to establish uh, to make sure that women choose their health provider wisely before they actually go to to the birth. Okay. Okay. Now I understand. So you the period leading up should be a conscious decision of who you choose to be in the. So that you know that when push comes to shove, literally, you actually yeah. can <laughs> you actually can trust the person who needs to make that decision and say this needs to happen now. Okay, but I also okay, Nico, do you have anything to add, or can we start talking about the uh, the structure of the project, project itself? Uh, sure. Let me just add one thing because you see, both Yoli uh, and myself, we chose to focus on the on the uh, aspect of autonomy and the right uh, to inform choices uh, for a very particular reason, because the whole project is focusing on this aspect of respectful maternity care. Uh, uh, we think it's a core aspect and it's not the only aspect of respectful maternity care, but we think that is where much of the problem lies. If we go back to the respectful maternity frameworks, uh, from the WHO, from international organizations, including the uh, Federation of uh, Gynecologists and uh, Obstetricians and the White Ribbon Alliance, which are international uh, organizations that have partnered up to speak about rights in, uh, in maternity care. Um, the right to information, the right to informed choice and informed consent, uh, whether especially when this is uh, 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 during childbirth and the way it happens is only one of the many rights in, in childbirth. And of course, there is um, uh, the right of privacy and confidentiality, of dignity and respect, of, of a good supportive healthcare system, of freedom from harm and mistreatment, and that's a 
a, a, a different category, and that's where uh, phenomenal, like like obstetric violence, I mean. uh, the way most people would understand it as you know, uh, physical, emotional uh, um, abuse or coercion coming. It's it's it might, it's so much 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 wider. But our project will focus exactly on the conversation, the interactions uh, with the healthcare providers, because both because we see from previous projects that this is an issue in Cyprus, as it is in most uh, um, uh, Western. Uh, European countries, Western countries, to a, a, a higher or lesser degree. Um, um, uh, um, because we mentioned, you mentioned Africa earlier, uh, can I say that if we speak about disrespect, the face of disrespect or abuse in childbirth uh, takes a, a, a much different form if we're talking about Africa, Southeast Asia, uh, Latin America, uh, than in Europe. And I agree, a lot I agree. has been written, a lot has been written that very often we say in Europe, including Cyprus, the issue of disrespect and abuse doesn't exist because we're focusing on this uh, extreme understanding of what uh, abuse might uh, might mean. But a lot has been written that, that um, uh, in, in our countries, it takes a different form and usually a more subtle uh, form. And usually this form refers to the removal of the agency in making decisions. That's why this project is focusing on informed uh, choices. And may I say, we're not going to approach this just from the perspective of the women, because as a department of nursing with a program in midwifery where we train future midwives uh, um, as an educational institution, we also feel that the way we teach communication skills, clinical communication skills of our future healthcare providers to be able to structure the conversation uh, in a way uh, in a respectful way that uh, uh, that gives choices and explains the difference, the difference in choices and secures the consent of 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 the women might be problematic even within an academic uh, environment right now. Let alone when a future health professionals then go and 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 uh, you know start their career and see established practices. That are even further away from what we want to to uh, to teach them. So uh, this project would also focus on what health professionals, healthcare providers feel about it, and what do they think their skills and competences are or are lacking, are needed or are lacking uh, uh, in order to shape uh, educational activities uh, towards healthcare providers for them to enhance these skills to be able to provide this structure conversation and and in and and support women in making informed choices because it's certainly a very um important uh skill and competence that we're not entirely sure it's uh it's um 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 it's always there in it's always there right now yeah okay so just to sum it up, it doesn't mean uh, comparing to, as you said, Africa, Asia, doesn't mean that we need to have 
uh, actual physical violence, you know, people beating women up in order to characterize, to, to, to use the term obstetric violence. In, in Cyprus, it's more um, uh, some uh, the the issue of um, of inequity, of of uh, disrespect, of uh, uh, not informed decision making, of women being being forced to to make decisions. It shows, for example, an, an actual um, uh, an actual let's say uh, stat that people can can see is, for example, the um, cesarean section rate. Mm which in Cyprus is right now reaching 70% within the healthcare the system, the YESI. Uh, this is unofficial data given to us by the, um, the, the health organization here in Cyprus. Uh, the official data is uh, more around uh, 60%, which still is a very, very high percentage, meaning that women are being um uh, forced to um to have cesareans that are not necessary now if you ask the health professionals they will tell you that it's the woman's choice but it if uh, through our conversations with women and through again the 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 academia and the bibliography we know that this is not always uh true so it's often it's often how the doctor presented the need for a cesarean on which yes. she makes the decision. Yes. And sometimes and, and many times cesareans uh, happen because of, of what we mentioned in the in the beginning of uh, of the of the podcast of unnecessary interventions that lead mm -hmm. up to this cascade of interventions. So uh, we we want we want to work together with health professionals who might, as as Nico said, they might not even recognize that this is an issue because they have not been trained to. Uh, to look at it holistically, they have not been trained to take into account uh, the, the this aspect of of respect when they do when they practice medicine when they uh, when they have a birthing situation in front of them. So, is that the starting point of the project? Speaking to the professionals, what Nico said earlier, speaking to the professionals and getting their perceptions of improvements guidelines uh, the first the first part of the project was actually the opposite was speaking to women so okay. we um we started a questionnaire um which is, is is actually still online so i'm not sure if is is still going to be online when this uh, podcast is uh, published but if it is we will definitely provide a link for anyone who wants to uh, to fill it out and um Yoli, I think I think the link would just stay live even even if we took a pause now just to analyze the hundreds of answers that came in uh we will provide we will leave the link open because uh, right. anyone can uh can access it and record their experience in this structured way of our service great so uh, we're looking to to find out the experiences, the lived experiences of women who have given birth in Cyprus in the past five years. Um, and we also conducted uh, focus groups together with um, uh, with with women who um, wanted to get more involved and share with us uh, their their experiences, which have been very, very important in um in analyzing the the data nikos will tell you more about that because he's uh, also the head of uh, of the research program and, and how uh, thought that the of the program of a woman is it quite easy for women to open up and um, really talk about how they felt within the because my not my concern i would say that when 
I've come out of such a process and a decision was made. There are times that I don't think I've made the wrong decision. But it's it's not always about making the wrong decision. No, no, wrong, no, wrong, no, wrong decisions are wrong thing. I sometimes think what the best that could happen happened. Many, Absolutely. many women, many women feel uh, feel that way. And uh, of course, that would be the uh, our ultimate goal for women to feel that they were respected and that uh, the, um, their birthing experience was valid and uh, that they were part of what uh, of, of what was happening. So uh, unfortunately, this is not the case for for many women. As uh, as it comes from from the data, both the qualitative and the and the quantitative. So, if you're asking how easy it is for women to open up, um, to find the women to to participate in the focus groups, uh, there was um, uh, an an option in the questionnaire of if you want to participate, you can uh, leave your contact details here, and we'll get back to you. So it means that these women wanted to speak okay. about their experiences. So women are now opening up and they're talking about it we have a we have a facebook group with almost uh 2500 members and regularly we get women uh talking about their experience sharing what they went through uh trying to inform each other about what to do how to make their birth plan and to um empower themselves to have a to have a positive birth experience and of course the focus groups were conducted by a, a trained uh, researcher, so um, science has its ways of uh, bringing out the um, of getting people to talk without them feeling pressured and uh, you know being put and exposed. Court. Yes, of course, okay. there are there are ways to pose questions and to protect uh, people's um, privacy and and right to um, to express themselves. Nico, I think you wanted to say something. Um, uh, yeah, let's speak a little bit uh, methodology because there is a few interesting points uh, here. First of all, let's clarify that uh, the survey does not actually um, call women to record their negative experiences. We were very uh, uh, clear about yeah. that from the beginning. And because you already mentioned the, uh, the uh, survey that just happened to run the same time as ours without any previous planning from Spavo, mm -hmm. uh, there is an interesting comparison here because uh, Spavo was, Spavo's uh, a survey uh, ad ad addressed um, um, women to talk about their experiences in terms of obstetric violence. So it was negatively framed. So it was more likely that women who wanted to report a negative experience, one would think, would participate in a survey like that. In our survey, we phrased it from a positive point of view. We said, we want to know about your experience. Uh, uh, and it was phrased under the respectful maternity care. So uh, and we were very clear in saying to, to in our call that we wanted women to record both positive experience, negative experience. Of course, one here might also think, might, um, and we're, uh, we're definitely going to hear this from the healthcare providers when asked to defend the, the 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 research the survey of course someone who is uh, um, not so satisfied with the care they receive might uh, be more likely to want to respond to such a survey rather mm. than somebody who is satisfied 
Well, to tell you uh, as a fact, analyzing the data, we have the full range of responses. One of the questions, we use questionnaires that are used internationally for this purpose. Okay. And one questionnaire is about the satisfaction of care and how close it is to what we would call person-based care. And you can actually calculate it. It's sort of interpreted as a percentage of satisfaction from zero to a hundred. Okay. So we have women that took part in the survey that pretty much the satisfaction level reaches 90, 95%, as we also have women that their, their overall satisfaction from the experience reaches, you know, is, is towards the bottom yes. end. <laughs> so it's a good indication that our survey, um, even if uh, it uh, um, was a little bit biased towards uh, bringing women in that might want to report something more negative, uh, this, this uh, phenomenon is not to the extent that we can't say that we're starting with a representative uh, sample of women that because uh, also women who have um, uh, positive experiences to report, obviously, uh, re um, participated in the survey. May I also say, since we're talking uh, statistics, that also the profile of the of the women that participated in the survey, it's pretty much similar to exactly what we would expect from official uh, uh, data. It's not just women that had cesarean. The women that had cesarean in a survey is pretty much to uh, around 58, uh, 58, 59%, which is what we see in official statistics. Mm -hmm. And we also had women who had a vaginal birth. They had VBAC births in our survey. Uh, in terms of the um, educational attainment of women, we see the full range again, exactly as, as we would expect from official uh, statistics. We have women from all over Cyprus. We, we have... Uh, women, uh, the the age profile represents uh, comes close to uh, what we would expect from official statistics. So the survey, it, it pretty much, I think, managed to bring in uh, a wide range, a wide range with very wide experiences. Now, when it comes to the focus groups, is exactly what Yoli said, and what you asked: Is it easy to talk about it? It's not easy to talk about it. So, of course, the women that want to uh, share. Uh, their more personal experiences with us, and in fact, in a group with other women, um, might be uh, um, um, women that, of course, have something to talk about. They really want to share okay, an experience, yes. and it might be a more on the negative side. You see, in this type of qualitative research, that is exactly what you want. You want people who want to talk about uh, uh th this phenomenon because then it, it's not a matter of of quantifying it how many women had this experience it's about understanding the nuances of it exactly uh what was the problem how they felt uh what do they think should have should happened, have happened. Uh, what what are their suggestions uh so uh, it, we are very glad that we had a a, a good number of women that wanted to share this experience and and believe me it was at times quite traumatic for the research team to hear some experiences uh even though we were prepared for it it was very therapeutic on the other hand i think for women to be able to share their experience with other other women that might felt the same and um there and was to know they and to know they're sharing with no judgment to let that exactly. for women to feel that they were heard and that their exactly. experiences were valid and that they, there's no more gaslighting of this. Um, you have a healthy baby, so what are you complaining about? Exactly. Yeah. And this validation of the experience in our focus groups took a different form as well. There were women that 
um, came to the focus groups that um, uh, were had uh, something to talk about, something they were unhappy with, perhaps. But um, in general, they kept saying, but otherwise it was fine. A lot of it was okay. It was really just this one thing that bothered me. We had a lot of women that came in with that um, uh, perspective. And by the end of the of the um, uh, conversation, you could see a, a, a bit of a transformation where they're saying, actually, what you're talking about now, I can experience the same thing. And to be honest, um, I wasn't sure whether it has to be like that. I, so the, what I'm trying to say is that there were there were women that the actual experience they were questioning themselves uh, 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 whether uh, it was the norm. And, and well, so that's what that's what to, I was trying. That's what I was trying yeah. to express earlier. That you think it's okay because that's what that's what happens. What, that's what happens, and you don't step back to think. But how did I feel? Because yeah. you don't. So when you're exposed to these groups of women, sharing means you can be you feel safe enough to say. But actually, I wasn't feeling that great at that point in time. Yeah, and this is a good point, Mark. That you allow me to say that that to me as a methodologist also um, validated uh, the theoretical model around a disrespect and abuse of the WHO, because it says there is a continuum again. There is uh, behaviors, conditions, interactions that no matter what, everybody would agree that is disrespectful, mm. okay? So when it comes to physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, I think both healthcare providers and women and the rest of us would say this is this, this is clear disrespect. This is this is uh, um, a clear uh, abuse. But that's only at the core of it. And then in the concentric circles of the model, as you move further out, then there is the situations where the healthcare providers would think it's totally okay because that's the norm, that's the yes. standard practice, that's what they're used to. And the, but a lot of women, maybe not even all, would think that that was not right. There was this is a case of disrespect. And as you move outwards, then the model says that there is even situations that right now, even healthcare providers and women themselves might not necessarily perceive as disrespectful simply because that's how it happens in the exactly. geographical <laughs> location where they found themselves with a standard of practice that they, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it approaches what we would consider professional standards of, of, of maternity care. Okay. So um, I think it's part of yeah. what we were talking before, um, what, what we we're talking about before. It's the medicalization process. Exactly. We have learned to accept that birth will happen in a clinical setting under the doctor's orders. We will not uh, question what the doctor will say will say to us. And who are we to to question and to tell the doctor uh, how to do their job? Uh, so you know, it, uh, it it all leads up to um, okay. The, the the good girl will obey and tell and and, and the doctor will tell will tell them what to do and we will do it. So no need to 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 do more explaining. So we've come to be accustomed to to not being asked, not being part of of our birthing uh, experience. We we've we've come to consider it normal. But this is also part of the momentum right now that women. I, I think it's all part of the uh, women, uh, uh, you know, uh, new feminist woke uh, movement of 
uh, of women speaking up about their experiences and and claiming back their their rights. So a birthing, a birthing, uh, a birthing experience should not be any different to that. I remember being treated, I was having fertility treatment because I was that difficulty conceiving and I went to the doctor and he was about to give me an injection. I said, what are you giving me an injection of? He says, I, you don't need to know, I'm the doctor. I said, excuse me, it's going into my body, so please tell me what you're putting into my body. I think he got a bit of a shock because we're also talking, this was about 30 years ago. So I think he got a bit of a shock that I actually asked question the fact that this God, this doctor, this God, yeah, many, many doctors would still would still react in the same way <laughs> if a woman told them that, that I want to know what's going on in my what are you putting there in well, your body. So now you've Marcia, done. The... It's very interesting that you referred to thirty years ago because you you made me realize that thirty years ago uh, I was still a university student <laughs> and in in my master's, which was about uh, evaluation of healthcare services, right. Uh, mm. At the time, there was a lot of, um, um, uh, it was exactly the conversation about doctor knows best and yes. how this, how do we fight this phenomenon? And that was back in the UK and that was 30 years ago. 30 years on from now, all the professional associations around healthcare in general, but also including uh, maternity care, are very clear about this uh, doctor knows best is not the way to do it. And they try they have both recommendations about how you include the person in 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 uh, in uh, decision making yeah. uh, and these recommendations are being translated into educational curricula about oh, how, good. Uh, how to how to teach uh, uh, future healthcare providers to do it so uh, this is what i was referring to earlier that this process of what we call chair decision making which admittedly is not the easiest thing for uh, for uh, healthcare um, uh, professionals to learn, and even when they learn it as 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 students, as trainees, it doesn't mean that when they go into clinical practice and see a different way of practicing from uh, their uh, uh, older, say, colleagues, that they would still uh, apply these good practices in in clinical communication skills. But uh, the world has come a long way thirty years. Uh, uh, later, at least in terms of recommendations, and uh, <laughs> um, um, so I, I guess I'm glad that even now, starting from uh, this point of view of, of respectful maternity uh, care, focusing on informed choice, we will have the opportunity to rethink and redesign because this is one of the package of the project. The the way. Uh, a, a healthcare provider, uh, whether it's a gynecologist, obstetrician, a midwife, a pediatrician, should involve uh, the uh, the uh, the woman, the mother, in 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 the decision making uh, process, because this is a, a a skill. Tell me, Kat, just as a question: Are fathers also included in this or not? Partners in the birthing and the the couple. Um. We have not included the partners uh, to hear their experience, their point of view in this particular survey or our uh, focus groups. I agree with you that that is uh, something that we need to look into. But the clear priority for the purposes of this uh, particular project was the point of view of the 
of, of the women who were the main recipient of the care and hence the interactions and the behaviors. So we wanted to depict their experiences. Okay, it was just curiosity and I think I agree with you. I mean, it's her body. It's a woman's body. So it's clearly, anyway, um, at what stage of the project, you, you've done the surveys, you've done the online surveys, you've done the focus groups with uh, unexpected mothers or mothers that have had babies. Um, at what stage of the project, where, at what stage are you now? Because I think you are now almost in a third of the way through the project. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Uh, so uh, this is a two-year project, and um, the we just completed the first big task, which was a, exactly to uh, uh, depict the experiences, both quantitatively through the survey and qualitatively. Uh, the second part of the project, so which is where we're moving on to now, is to bring everybody together. And everybody means uh, uh, both um, the professional associations and scientific bodies, the full range from gynecologists, obstetricians, midwives, pediatricians, neonatologists, uh, government agencies, but the wider uh, uh, stakeholders, uh, which will include civic society, NGOs, the patient association, the uh, but also governmental agencies that are uh, um, um, involved in uh, and should have an opinion and say mm -hmm. uh, about this to build what we call an alliance. We want to present uh, our findings uh, to everybody and start a constructive dialogue okay. on how do we move forward? Uh, uh, do we introduce uh, some recommendations and what these recommendations are? What needs to be done? Uh, can we agree on some good practices? Can we agree what the weak points are? Where do we need to give uh, the focus? So this is the, the immediate next stage of the project. And of course, we also planned uh, two more things. Uh, we are pretty sure that one thing that needs to be done, and I'm sure it's going to come out of the conversation with the stakeholders uh, as well, uh, is that the um, uh, education uh, yeah. aspect is very, very important. And that takes the two uh, forms that I referred to earlier. One is addressing the healthcare providers themselves. And that might mean student midwives or trainee uh, obstetricians, but also as part of professional development, people that are already practicing uh, to come in an academic environment to... Um, to, to revisit. Yeah, and to practice, to design a, 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 a course, a curriculum around okay. uh, uh, um, clinical communication skills, where we already have an experience experience from previous uh, projects, how uh, it's very useful to create um, scenario-based learnings and in include women themselves in this uh, um, um, education where uh, there's going to be a role play, where we're going to give them a scenario. There is, uh, uh, you, have to, uh, you have a woman, she says uh, she wants to have a cesarean section, just to give an example of a scenario, uh -huh. since uh, very often in Cyprus, we say that cesareans are elective cesareans. Uh -huh. And as a doctor, the default point is uh, vaginal birth, is natural yeah. birth. And in fact, we have a national committee for the promotion of national of, of natural, of natural birth, birth. Now, uh, 
since uh, cesareans have reached, as he only said, over 60%, approaching 70%. So it's a national priority. How do you do? How do you do it? How do you construct this, this conversation? How do you talk about the advantages and disadvantages of cesarean? And how do you um, uh, um, uh, construct this conversation so that uh, women feel that they made an informed choice uh, and with the emphasis on informed rather than, okay, you, you, you prefer a cesarean, let's go for it. Uh, that's just one of the of the of the many scenarios that's um uh, what comes next uh um in this uh, project and at the same time we want to have workshops with women we want them to participate in this role play uh to um to um see how we can uh, empower them and make them more assertive in a conversation like that to to um, um, to say, but why do you say this? Is there another option? What are the advantages and disadvantages? Uh, can I take some time? Is do I have mm. to make a decision now? And so on. And of course, this project finishes with addressing the the the, the wider public to bring to the attention of society this uh, um, um, uh, the importance of informed choice in in maternity care. So we're going to run a, a, a campaign that. <clears throat> Uh, it's too early to say what form it will take, but it will uh, uh, focus on passing on the message and widening the conversation with a, a wider society. And maybe and this, is a not, uh, this is a good point for you it will to not speak. Focus, it will not focus um, solely on on the birthing women, but also um, on uh, on changing uh, views of other age groups as well. So we'll start with the young people, with the uh, older people who also might be uh, affecting the the, the woman's decision making, uh, decision making and and empowerment and empowerment. Uh, so um, it will be in in almost a year from now, um, and uh, we're looking to you know. Uh, uh, go all the way in in media in uh, in social media. We'll have the help of um, a professional uh, agent. But um, uh, all in all, it will be uh, about um, bringing also forward the the results of the of the project of the overall project. How how are you, how are you finding? Because as spokesperson of respectful maternity care, how receptive are people to talking about this? Um, you mean like in informal conversations? Informal conversations. Because I think yeah. that's a good start, starting point because that's what you're talking about. You want a general societal mind shift. Yeah. Um, I think um, you have a, a continuum of, uh, of reactions. So uh, you have uh, women who... Uh, as I said, are being uh, are more in the spectrum of uh, I, we're, we're claiming our rights. Uh, we're let's speak up. Let's talk about it. Uh, um, we we validate women's feelings, but I would say that the majority of people are still in the what are you talking about? You are healthy and you have a healthy baby. Why yes. are you complaining? So this is the sort of attitude that we that we want to change. Um, we want to want to um, uh, urge people to recognize that all experiences are valid, that it's okay 
to uh, to mourn for a lost experience uh, for for a for a negative uh, birth experience even though you might have a healthy baby and i would i would put it in uh, you know um uh quote uh, a healthy mother because we are we are all saying healthy baby healthy mother that's fine a healthy mother is not just a mother who is breathing and yes you know okay she 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 has survived birth we don't want women to survive birth we want women to to thrive and and have this experience uh lived so so positively that in the end it will work uh in in a positive way for all their parenthood uh i mean again academia there there are uh th there are links to women's uh, from women's negative experiences to uh women's uh postnatal uh, uh depression symptoms so if if we start talking about it we need to also address uh this 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 reality that yes. uh, uh motherhood is not just you know how uh the tv and the and the, and, and, the, and you know the companies want to present it oh it's so perfect just you know buy buy your diapers and buy this cream for for your baby so it's 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 a difficult experience it requires a lot of support and a lot of um um uh yeah, a, a lot of support from the family and the state for this to be um, a, a positive experience. Exactly. For I'm, many people I'm glad you added. I'm glad you added the word state because as yeah. I was hearing you speak, I noted down in my paper system level change because what what you all is talking about really. Um, uh, I think it's very uh, a very important conversation because for a lot of things that she's describing, uh, the the healthcare services the healthcare system is is lacking behind in terms of providing that uh that support that should be uh, institutionalized uh, absolutely really. uh, from the point of the, uh, something so simple like um uh, service user satisfaction service we don't live in an environment where we think that they experience you see a university comes to record the experience of somebody navigating through the healthcare services, in this case, maternity care services. We don't, we, the services themselves don't have a system where they monitor and they think that the experience of the users, of the service users, are actually a quality indicator. Mm. Uh, so we don't even record it or monitor it. Uh, but when there is trauma, when there is uh, um, 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 need, for for support, there aren't the mechanisms either to uh, for the system to address them. Uh, so that is a a system level uh, um, uh, problem that needs to address to be addressed as a at the at the level of, of of the system. So we need to have this conversation about what how we can improve the uh, uh -huh. the health service. The, the health services. I, I think as as much as you try, to, you can change the private sector three thousand percent. If the state doesn't come up to the same level, it isn't as isn't as effective. You need this institutional systemic change for everything to at least work better. Um, so the final deliverables of this are national strategies for Cyprus and Croatia curriculums to teach incoming students of the the sector and a press campaign.
Uh, yeah, you're you're forgetting that uh, aside the educational curriculum for um, future and uh, practicing healthcare providers, uh, there's going to be educational material uh, uh, and workshops with uh, uh, with women, um, uh, which is something that birth forward can um, uh, carry forward afterwards because currently. Uh, in um, say let's say uh, um, antenatal care classes there isn't a you know any we talk about breastfeeding and how good it is and this or that but there isn't any effort to address the skills of of women to be more assertive service users and this this workshops to empower women on how themselves they can actually uh, uh, be more assertive to take part in decision making. It's it's also very important, and again, a system level problem. I think is something that should have been part of the antenatal classes, and not, you know, uni a university or an NGO trying to uh, to um, um, introduce this. Because I know you're always running out of time, and our, our podcast is coming to the end. You're always there anything you would like to say. Or is there anything you want to say that you haven't said? Uh, just just to note that we're actually working on what Nikos has said. We're for a, probably a future project. We're, let's see if, uh, if if it will get funded. Uh, but yeah, antenatal classes and empowerment through women is also one of our of our goals as an organization. Um, I just want to to say to anyone who's um, who's listened to the end of this podcast that um, we we are here for for the people we are here for the women if anyone wants to reach out to us they can um, um they can contact us through our uh, social media or through the we've lost you Yoli. i think you had a problem with your band bandwidth so it's through social media through facebook and through the internet there's a website and the contact details if they want to get through to you, come in contact with you, because you're actually quite an awesome NGO that offers a lot of holistic advice in terms of giving birth or having a baby. Um, Nikos, anything you want to add before we sign off? Um, thank you for having us. I think it was a, a great opportunity to talk about these issues. Apologies if uh, the time was uh, not enough to address such a wide uh, topic, but I think we managed to give um, a, a little bit of a, gen a taste, a general picture of what the the uh, the project is about and uh, where uh, we are uh, heading and what we want to focus on. Okay, um, maybe we can going down the line because you will have a more media going down the line. We can actually do a second podcast and discuss things that come up. But that is for future discussions. I want to let's remind the listeners again, this is a Daphne funded project. This project is Tepak Birth Forward, Rada from Croatia and the University of Genoa with associates of um, the Mediterranean Institute of Gender Studies and the patient, I forgot the other one, Nico. It's OSAC, OSAC, which is the Federation of Patient Associations uh, here in Cyprus. And if anyone wants to find out a little bit more about this project, both Nico at Tepak and Birth Forward are open. There are things online where they can contact you. I'd say, I have to say that giving birth, the way we enter this earth and the person that brings us into this earth is the most magnificent. It's a miracle. So it has to be treated with the respect it deserves. 
So I'm really grateful for this time you're investing in this because there we need to get women's agency back. And it is the most, and there is no more important event, whatever I could say, that happens on the earth. So we need to treat it and the person going through it with the utmost respect without bypassing the scientific needs as well. Okay, oh, thank you, Nico. Thank you very much, Magda, for this opportunity to talk about the uh, the project. Okay, and to the listeners, thank you for listening and hold on to the agency of your own bodies, a general rule for everyone. Thank you. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.